0: Amen. Amen. Thank you, worship team. Thank you guys so much. All right. The first thing that we need to address is the ornament in the room. Okay. Uh, so if you, if you walked into the room and you saw there's a table full of ornaments, right, just outside of uh, this, this sanctuary, right, 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 in, right on the other side of this wall, uh, the idea with that is that you will not put those on your tree. Understood? If you are here, those are not for you. Okay? They are a gift for someone who doesn't know that they're a part of this family yet. Okay? They're a gift for someone that you would like to invite to this holiday season, this this Christmas season, right? It's not Starbucks, we can call it Christmas. Uh, So, this Christmas uh, season, so it's, it's pretty simple, just if you would like to invite someone, which I hope that you would, to the things that are happening this Christmas season at this church, take an ornament, give it to the friend. No questions asked, uh, you know, they don't have to come, it's not like, hey, they have to promise to be here or they don't get the ornament, right? They get the ornament, right? So uh, they don't want to be named, I'm sure, but I just wanted to say there, there, was a, there was a couple and it was their main focus to make these. And I just wanted to say thank you to that couple. So thank you for making all those. It was their idea. Thank you for doing that. Again, uh, do not put these on your tree. Uh, find someone else to give them to, OK? Um, we're two weeks away from Christmas. And if you're like me, you just had a panic attack. Uh, so there we go. Uh, you, uh, this is, that, really, that announcement was really for the guys, right? Because you probably haven't started Christmas shopping yet. Uh, most of you know the time. You, you know the women in these relationships. They're, they're often uh, dropping subtle or not so subtle hints. Um, just remember, guys. Women want uh, vacuum cleaners and workout equipment. That's what. <laughs> okay, maybe not. Uh, listen to them. Whatever it is, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> If you're looking for something to get uh, me, I like to fish, so take me fishing. That's all I want. Uh, yeah, I already got it. I got a new watch uh, for Christmas, and I love it, so my Christmas presents are, are done for the most part, but I wanted to let you guys know that we're, we're still telling this story, right, this journey uh, to the manger in preparation for, for Christmas, and I, I just want to give us a quick, uh, like a quick recap. So where, where are we now? Because maybe some of you missed a couple weeks, or uh, maybe some of you uh, aren't sure uh, all of the details about the, the Christmas story, right? So uh, last week we learned uh, Mary, she took a trip uh, from Nazareth to the hills of Judea to see Elizabeth. And Elizabeth is her relative. Uh, we kind of said aunt, maybe type, right? She, we, she's older than Mary. And we're not really sure of the dynamics of that. Uh, we looked at uh, Luke uh, chapter 1, verses 26 through 45, and we're going to pick up where we left off, but this is like what happened is, right, Mary comes to visit Elizabeth, and uh, the baby inside Elizabeth, who was, was beyond birthing years, that's all we know, but she had a baby anyways, uh, the baby leaped, it leapt, I, I, leaps leapt, leaped, leapt, lipped. I don't know what past tense is. Uh, I, I just know that whenever I read it in the Bible, I'm like, is, that can't be right. That's not the way I learned that. Uh, but the baby leaps for joy when Mary comes, when Mary arrives. And um, then Elizabeth takes time to prophesy over Mary and she's filled with the Holy Spirit. And it's beautiful and it's this great, uh, you know, relative relationship. And uh, so that's what happened last week. So we're going to pick up in telling that story, right? This is the journey to the manger. And some of you are like, I've never heard these stories before. This is not the Christmas story, right? Uh, Not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse, right? That's the Christmas story. This is not it, Uh, but this is the biblical Christmas story. This is our journey to the manger. Also last week learned that uh, Elizabeth is about six months pregnant at this time, when uh, this part of the journey, so we're going to pick up, and where we're going to pick up is in again Luke chapter one, which if you if you have a physical Bible, you can see like where I marked it on mine. It's about eighty five percent of the way through your physical Bible, Luke chapter one, and we're going to start in verse uh, forty six, right now, and we're going to read through fifty six. With his arm, he has scattered the proud and the thought of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel uh, in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months, and then returned to her home. This is a beautiful song. It's a beautiful song uh, by a mother singing to her unborn child. My soul magnifies the Lord. Magnifies the Lord. He who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts uh, of their hearts, he has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. This is the most beautiful Christmas tradition that I've ever heard of, and I've never seen anyone copy. Two pregnant, Holy Spirit filled women who rejoice in God bringing down the mighty from their thrones and prophesy about what is about to come for their children. It is the most beautiful Christmas tradition that I've never seen. But if there are any pregnant women here, I would love for us to continue. Let's let's do that Christmas tradition again. Like, let's get two pregnant women together, Holy Spirit-filled, and talking about the Lord raising up the humble and bringing down the proud. Can I get an amen? Come on, guys. I know you guys are awake. I know it's early in the morning, and I know I'm way more excited about this than you guys are. But this is really cool stuff. This is really, really cool. This is a great Christmas tradition uh, that I hope in your family can't be recreated every year, or you would probably have way too many kids. Uh, but this is what we know. We know that because of this, that uh, Mary is an amazing woman of God. Uh, when God chose Mary to be the, 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 the vessel of uh, the, the mother of his child, he chose wisely. Again, this is a 14-year-old girl. How many 14-year-old girls do you know that talk like this? My soul magnifies the Lord. Incredible. Incredible. Okay, and uh, so after Mary, she proclaims this beautiful song about God opposing the proud and exalting the humble. She waits for three months, and then she leaves. Why three months? Elizabeth was six months pregnant. Now, having had two kids, I, I thought it was like nine months, right? Yeah, I mean, nine and a half, ten ten 10 months. But yeah, so like they, and they, they counted months differently, you know, than, than we count. So yeah, that's why, that's why she waited another three months is because she waited for uh, Elizabeth to give birth. And we talked about the tumultuous journey last week, right, that Mary took to get from Nazareth to Judea and I love that like Luke he's not concerned with those details he just goes Mary stayed for three months and then she went home right Uh, he doesn't talk about the house because it's not important to him right he he wants to get to the important stuff and so he leaves that out and so it says that that Mary uh, goes home after Elizabeth gives birth but remember last week we talked It was about a hundred a 100 mile journey home so again it wasn't an easy journey home But it's just, it's very, just like, yep, she went home. Okay, so verse, uh, we're going to read some more. Uh, We have a lot of verses to go through today because there's not a whole lot of story that progresses, but there's some really important stuff in here that I don't want to miss, especially because I feel like some of us haven't read this before. Okay, so we're going to pick up in verse 57. Because now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth. She bore a son, and her neighbors and relatives heard the shown great mercy to her and they rejoiced with her and on the eighth day they came to circumcise the child and they would have called him Zechariah after his father but his mother answered no he shall be called John and they said to her none of your relatives are is called by this name And they made signs to his father inquiring what he wanted him to be called, and he asked for a writing tablet, and he wrote, his name is John. And they all wondered, and immediately his mouth was open, and his tongue loosed, and he spoke, blessing God, and fear came on all their neighbors, and all these things were talked about through uh, all the hill country of Judea. And all who heard them laid, uh, laid them up in their hearts, saying, What then will this child be? For the hand of the Lord was with him. So uh, I, I wanted to, to go back. We didn't have enough weeks, really, to, to, for me to take all the time. So be, the beginning of, of Luke, in the, at the beginning of this book, you, you might be concerned because you're like, Okay, uh, this is all about uh, uh, Jesus. And, like, you go back to the beginning, and the, the birth of, of Jesus is not the first birth that is foretold. It's the birth of John the Baptist. So we have a very uh, paralleled story to uh, the, the, the prophecy of, right, the birth of Jesus, right? Because the angel Gabriel, who we might remember from a couple of weeks ago, he's the angel that came and spoke to Mary. He's the angel that came and spoke to Zechariah. And Zechariah told him that Elizabeth, his barren, well aged wife, was going to become pregnant with his child. But Zechariah did not believe him. So the angel told them that until the time had come for his son to be born, Zechariah would be mute. Now, I get paid to speak, but there are times when our wives pray that this would happen to us, right? <laughs> not forever, just, just for a bit, right? Lord, can you just make him mute for a week? And I'm kidding, of course, but Zechariah, he was completely mute, meaning he could not speak. He could not speak. He was physically incapable of speaking. So Zechariah was asked again after his son was born what his name should be, and he had to write it down John. And immediately after doing this, the Lord gave him his speech back. Now it was clear that God had had done something miraculous. God had to have his hand on Elizabeth to help her become pregnant. God had to have his hand on her during the birthing process. Because again, she, again, this is not a demeaning term. It was a geriatric pregnancy. So there are a lot of complications that can happen with that. So God had to have his hand on her. He had to have his hand on her during the pregnancy, during the birthing process. And even God had his hand on Zechariah. So it was, it was completely unfathomable to anyone that saw this process that God wasn't doing something miraculous, so much so that it says that uh, they, they had to tell everyone. They told the whole hill country of Judea, right, what was going on. And I want to point something out that was very important that I missed. I don't know why I missed this every time I've read this story before. It says all the neighbors were terrified, terrified. The fear and the miracles caused the story to be told all over the hill country of Judea. And the crazy part is this isn't even about Jesus. (laughs) It's the story of Jesus, but this isn't the story of Jesus right now, right? This is about John. This is about somebody else who is not the Messiah, The whole town is invested in John the Baptist before John was the Baptist, right? Before he was the baptizer. He was just John the baby. The town marveled at what this child would be. Because they could see that it was undeniable that the Lord had his hand in every part of this young boy's life. And this is just the guy preparing the way for the guy who's gonna do mighty works, who's gonna do great things. But his story is so important. It is so vital to the story of Jesus that Luke knew that when he wrote the gospel, he couldn't tell Jesus' story without telling the story of John the Baptist first. Yes, Jesus is the king of the universe, but God was gonna do mighty works through his cousin John too. This guy was so clearly special and everyone knew about him before he'd even said his first word. Everyone was watching him to see what he would do next. This was not the case with Jesus. We'll learn in a couple weeks that Jesus was born without a single family member there other than Mary and Joseph. The town wasn't running around telling people about Jesus and how God had done mighty works to make uh, Jesus be born. Instead, the town was likely whispering about how Jesus was a bastard child that Mary and Joseph had to, had to leave town so that she could give birth to this kid so that she wouldn't be publicly shamed. Was Joseph the father? And if he wasn't, then who? And if Joseph was the father, how could they have consummated before their wedding? These are the things that people were saying about Jesus in his hometown. But John's birth is pivotal to the story because everyone knew from birth that John was destined for greatness. So that when Jesus starts his ministry, he starts his ministry with John. Jesus comes to John who already has a following. He was already baptizing people in the Jordan River for the the forgiveness of sins. And Jesus comes to John to get baptized. And John is beside himself. He says, man, I'm not even fit to tie your shoes and you want me to baptize you? You should be baptizing me. And John's followers, they got all bent out of shape because after this happened, uh, Jesus and his followers, they started baptizing people. They started doing mighty works. And this is all in the gospel of John, if you didn't know that. Uh, it's not the same John, if you didn't know that, okay? Uh, this is John uh, the disciple. I didn't like that my pulpit was cattywampus, but now I see why it was. Okay, Uh <laughs> this is not the same john so right when you read the gospel of john this is not the gospel of john the baptizer this is the gospel of john the disciple of jesus although he talks about john the baptizer so this is what this is what uh, john says about jesus so as as john the baptizer his disciples are saying hey you did all of this work. You did all of this stuff. You created all of this following. And now Jesus and his followers are baptizing people. And they're doing mighty works. And everyone is leaving us. And they're following Jesus. And John says, that's exactly what it was all about. He must increase, but I must decrease. Because it's all about Jesus. John's ministry was great, but it had one purpose. Which was to prepare the way for the Messiah. His job was to prepare the way for Jesus so that when Jesus' ministry started, there would already be women and men who were ready for it. And I want to ask this question of of y'all today. Who has been that person in your life that you can look back and you can pinpoint when they used their life to dramatically change yours for the better? When they stuck their neck out no pun intended, for John the Baptizer, for you so much so that you can't even tell your story of how you got here without first telling the story of that person. How they sacrificed to get you where you are. My mother is a faithful woman of God, a devout follower of Jesus, and a mom who I know and listen to. And I know that she is listening to this message. And I need you to know that I love you so much. I I can't tell my story without telling the story of my mother and her journey. She has seen her three sons make terrible decisions and go down terrible roads that she could not keep them from. And she prays for us. And when my life falls apart, she's the first call I make. Mom, can you just tell me that you're proud of me and you love me? I would not be in ministry without the faithful, steadfast love of my mother for me and for Jesus. She taught me what it meant to put everything on the line and to trust in the Lord. She has discipled an an innumerable amount of children. She is a teacher. She has led countless Bible studies and is a leader uh, within her church. I have a mother like Mary who prophesied over me and speaks life into me and when I need to be told what to do, even though I'm an adult and a leader in my own church, she doesn't mind telling me what to do. Everyone has someone that paved the way for them. And it's important to tell their story and remember their sacrifice and their work as we tell our stories. And I love that John record, or that Luke records John's story. Even he records the words that Zechariah prophesied over his son. So again, this is Zechariah. He's saying this about John long before John ever gets... In the ministry, long before he becomes the baptizer. This is what his father, Zechariah, this is starting in verse 67. This is what he prophesies over his son. It says, And his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people, and raised up a horn of salvation from us in the house of his servant David. As he spoke, will be called the prophet of the most high for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways to give knowledge of salvation to his people and the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. And the child grew and became strong in the spirit. And he was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance to Israel. Wow. I am a father to the most amazing son. And I'm sure y'all have great sons, but mine is the best son that I have. (laughs) I only have one, just so we're clear. (laughs) But this is how I prophesy over my son too. Not this beautifully or eloquently, but I tell him every day what his value is in the Lord and what the Lord's going to do through him. Not only that, but I I pray a a blessing over him and really any (laughs) kids that aren't mine that are willing to allow me to do so. But how amazing is this father's prophecy, right? You, child, shall be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people and the forgiveness of their sins. Years later, um, Zeke, my son, I'm prophesying over you you will lead a church you will be far greater than I ever could be. And I'm so proud of you before your days of ministry have even begun. And to all the kiddos who listen to me and love me, you know, Asher, Elena, Ada, Hosanna, anybody that allows me to speak uh, truth and love into, into your life, there's nothing that can hold you back in this world from serving and following Jesus. Don't, don't listen to anyone that tells you otherwise. You will make an impact for the kingdom of God. And I love you so much, and I'm so proud of you. So thank you for anyone who uh, listens to those words. But if you see the notes for this week, uh, we have another verse to look at. That isn't quite so beautiful, but it's the beginning of chapter 2. So after this beautiful prophecy by Zechariah over son John, the next uh, verse sets the stage for next week. It says, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. All the world should should be registered. That is really, it's, it's the catalyst to the next piece of the story. And that's why I put it in here because it's, it's, the, it's the pivot point. We have these amazing prophecies and then, okay, how do we get from there to the next place? But I, 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 before we end, I, I wanted to take a look back over Zechariah, Elizabeth, and Mary, what, what they taught us. And what they taught us is this, your words have so much power. Power for good, power for evil, power to bless or power to curse. Speak truth. Speak life into others. prophesy, edify, use your words to build each other up. You have no idea what someone else is going through, and a timely world, a timely word can heal a broken soul. So never never lose a chance to speak love and truth to someone. Don't make excuses about how you feel, anxious, sad, hungry, tired. Use your words to build others up. I'm going to call the, the worship team back up here. I still remember the taunts that when I was six years old in grade school, I still remember the things that they said about me when I was in grade school. And I still remember the things that the teachers that took the time to speak love and life into me. I still remember those things too. There is a battle that is waging within all of us a battle that that pushes us towards Christ and away from Him. Use your words to bring people to Jesus. Ask yourself, what, what would Jesus say to this person and then say it. The reason we have these words recorded in our Bible is because these people, all three of them, Mary, Elizabeth, and Zechariah, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. My encouragement to you is, is allow the Holy Spirit to speak through you. And I pray that that will be the best Christmas tradition that you could ever start. Speak life and love into others. And with that, I'm going to pray the same prayer that I, a uh, blessing that I say for my kiddos and my life, which is this. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and give you peace the Lord be near you and make you a blessing all the days of your life. And all God's people said, Amen.